Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic University Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Canton III, and this is a mailbag edition of the show pre-Thanksgiving. Happy holidays to everybody out there. I am here with the super producer, Jake Christie. Jake, how are you? I'm doing well. Uh, excited. Uh, I, you got me thinking about cutting into the turkey, some stuffing, some mashed potatoes. You know the works. Oh, man, we're almost here. It's it's, it's wonderful. Some some quick housekeeping notes. Patreon.com slash Pod, where you could get our bonus content. We are doing Hobbs and Shaw very shortly. And also um, our pal Cecilia. She She did a show based on some of her her own research for for what she's doing uh as far as the spider-man connection the miles morales connection to latin culture and how people kind of gravitate to that part of uh, the spider-man lore it's a very interesting conversation uh three dollars in order for you to get that conversation and of course three dollars of course you get into the discord and have fun conversations as we're having a lot of the things going on in the MCU and outside of the MCU. So Jake, we got some questions from good folks. Appreciate everybody for sending them in. I will start with this one from Niku. Let's start with a, with a, with a nice simple one. Since 2023 is almost over and nothing else is really coming out. Who is the 2023 Marvel MVP? And he lists Hiddleston as Loki. Valani is Miss Marvel. Bradley Cooper is Rocket or someone else? So my actual answer is, assuming that it's not just actors, I think that because of the three theatrical films, only one of them is a success, I would say you almost have to, it has to be James Gunn is the MVP. Because he's the one thing that is an, an unmitigated success is on his shoulders. Um, and like the reason why that movie did well is in large part, I think, because of his involvement. Um, not to say that like, you know, the Marvels falling off in the second weekend is the fault of Nia DaCosta or anything like that. But the thing about Guardians 3, which we discussed when it happened, is that not only, like, it didn't open super huge, but it lasted, and that is the sign that the movie's good. And so, if we're looking at, like, production, he has the highest wins over replacement just ahead of Hiddleston. He'd be number two for me, but I think James Gunn has to be the answer. I think that's a that's a very fair point. I went back and forth between Hiddleston and Gunn a lot just because of the I mean, you just kind of so you said it there as far as what that movie was this year to folks. I think it's just like it just it just didn't capture it didn't just capture the MCU vibe. It just captured the movie vibe. Like the way that you close out a trilogy and the way that, that they did it, it was just so fantastic on so many levels. Hits all the notes emotionally and all of those things. And don't get me wrong, Loki had a wonderful season and mm-hmm. a wonderful close. And Hiddleston mm-hmm. was awesome. Uh, really a tour de force on his part. But I, I would have to agree to you, agree with you on the on the Guardians 3 point. Because I just think considering the way that people have talked about the, the MCU this year, this was the one thing that everybody was universally uh pretty pretty strong as far as their positivity positivity was concerned but um shout outs to uh Iman Vellani. um now that yeah. she's doing the now that she's doing the interview circuit you're getting just wonderful stuff from her yeah um, i i think that like not that box office is not really the most important thing in the world but i think beyond that number the fact that that she would be higher for my estimation if it felt like the marvels was the cultural event that it would need yeah. to be like 
I don't care about the numbers at the box office, but the fact of the matter is there are plenty of people who are not seeing it that see most Marvel movies, and so therefore I wouldn't feel... I can't in good conscience say she could be the MVP because, like, she's, the numbers are on the board on some level. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it, is, it is what it is as far as that that's concerned, and we'll actually get uh, into that topic yeah. a little further down the line here. But uh, the the uh, shout out to Niku first for asking that question. Next one is from our pal Michael Springthorpe in the Discord as he asks, "With Pedro Pascal looking like our Reed Richards, will Sue will Sue Storm be cast recast as a young girl or baby?" So that's of course a joke with the fact that you know he's like the daddy to Baby Yoda and to Ellie on um, the, last uh, of us. the Last of Us, and. Um, I just want to add that Benny in the Discord followed up with Namor infatuated with a baby would be a weird twist, but I'm okay with that. To which I responded, the Twilight series tried that, but questioned level, questionable levels of success. Am I just reading back a joke I made in the Discord? Yes, of course I am. But he didn't really get it because clearly he doesn't know what happens in the beginning of the fifth Twilight movie. But uh, a grown adult imprints on a baby that happened in a movie. Um, this is a good joke question. I have nothing to say. Well, I mean, I think the one thing that I could say about it is we can get into the actual news portion of that, mm -hmm. which is apparently, seemingly, you know, all signs are pointing to Pedro Pascal signing on as Reed Richards. Jake, what do you think of this news? I mean, he's not my ideal in that, like, I can't, like, if I were to be picking the actors that I know that I would most like to see play the part, he's not number one, and he's probably not that high on it, because... I don't. The, my idea of Reed Richards is not super in line with how he his previous roles, but a couple mm. things. One, he's just a very charismatic, winning performer, and so like being if you're if you have charisma, you only need to be so right for a part. And two, I think that like I saw some people being like I was hoping they'd cast an unknown, and I can tell you for certain that they. I'm not going to cast a known for, known for this. So they can't not this time. Nope. That not after the box office of late. Nope. Like they just cannot risk. Power. Yeah, this is not. Sorry, like they, I don't know if they're going to cast an unknown in a starring role in the next ten years. Right, and that's why you hear it pretty much. I mean, they tried to get Emma Stone, and they just the price was too high for Sue Storm. And at this point right now, it uh, the odds-on favorite is Vanessa Kirby as Sue Storm. And again, like, it comes down to what Jake said as far as the box office is concerned. You can't bring these particular characters in who, for my money, are not exactly like the... Sure, they're the first family of Marvel and Marvel Comics, but, like, in terms of when you talk about in terms of action and fighting and stuff like that, they're not that. It's more of the personalities of the group yeah. that are supposed to get you into that. And I think I think I brought up before is consider if you're if someone my age or honestly a little younger, like if you're 20 right now, right? You were born in uh, 2003, gross. But so that means in when you're really young, there were two different failed fantastic like it's not failed but a two fantastic four movies that were cheesy not really that well liked and then there was a reboot when you were you know like 12 that no one liked i think marvel what i find is that marvel comics fans because they know that how important the fantastic four is to comics overestimate how much of a cultural impact they have they are not they're not for people who don't read comics they're not appointment characters yeah, like i can tell you this i care because you guys care but like 
you know, most people I know, like my older brother is not going to give a shit. He's not going to be like, well, Fantastic Four, that's so important. With X-Men, he would. With Spider-Man, with Superman. But I think people talk, comic book fans talk about the Fantastic Four as if they are in that tier. And even if they should be, they're just not. The Fantastic Four name is not going to sell a movie by itself. I think if you had, if they were in the situation where... 2019 was what 2020 was something instead of 2023 then yeah i think you Uh could you could feel like you could get away with that but no they can't which is why they've spent so much time trying to get any type of big big time star the adam driver types that you hear of and even going back to jake gyllenhaal for a pass around and, and stuff like that so I mean, it's one of those situations where you couldn't, you could not in any circumstance come into this with no star power whatsoever. So, I mean, uh, we'll see what happens. I'm thinking that this cast is going to get announced probably soon because I think the movie is shooting in January or early, early 2024. So if that's happening, then it it's, seems like this, this cast is probably locked in. We'll get more into that when that happens. But as far as Pedro is concerned, um, not my first choice either, but I'm intrigued. It's a, it's a, it's, it's something different. So, and I think like to Jake's point, like as far as the, the charisma is concerned and just the idea of putting him in a room with, with uh, certain characters in, in the MCU, I think I, I, I am fascinated by that potential idea. I'm if and if this goes through, I'm just curious to see how he how he plays them. So yeah, there's a lot that goes into that. Because the thing too about him is that like I think I saw a lot of people being like, "This is not what he does well." But like I kind of also um, I have a lot of faith in his ability to do different stuff, just because like his character on Game of Thrones could not be further. Like if you saw him just on Game of Thrones, and then said he was going to play Joel in The Last of Us, you'd be like, "No, he can't do that." You know what I mean? Like so, I I am not. I'm currently not interested in counting him out because those two characters are so completely different. I'm like, maybe he does have world smartest scientists in him. Like, I genuinely don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, no, we'll definitely see what happens. If there's more news on that front, we'll definitely get to it. But um, in the meantime, we wait. We wait to see what it, what comes next as far as that's concerned. Uh, next question from our pal Montel, who has a, has a good bunch of these, as he always does. Great question asker. First, with Evans out of Marvel for now, the Chris Evans, that is, how is Feige going to lure the fourth Hollywood Chris into Marvel? And what role makes the most sense for him? I'm guessing this is Chris Pine. It is. And the answer is he's not going to. I think the fact that Chris Pine has not been in the MCU is a deliberate choice of it by him. Not that he hates the MCU, but his career is just like... I actually feel like I heard a quote from him, or I saw a quote from him about a couple of days ago saying that he's not doing any of that stuff. Yeah, he is not interested in playing that game, and good for him. He's, I think, I think if you go, like, resume by resume in terms of, like, quality of movie, he probably has the best batting average of all the Chris's, and for good reason, because he doesn't do a lot of dumb shit. Yeah, and then, yeah, I... I, I feel him, and I mean, we we kind of heard a little another quote from him today, as far as uh, Dungeons and Dragons was concerned, um, seeming like he he has an inkling that there will be a sequel to that. Which I gotta say, good movie, pretty good, pretty good movie. movie. I love that movie. That movie, I, I'm one of its biggest defenders. Um, but yeah, I and I, I wanted to retract. I said he doesn't do dumb shit. I don't want to imply that being in the MCU was dumb shit. <laughs> but I think the thing is, mm-hmm. at least at this moment, 
if I was the agent of someone who's already been a leading man of big films, I would tell them not to go name you because there's the, nothing good could happen of it. You know what I mean? Like Pedro Pascal actually is like the, probably like the most famous person who would do it because he doesn't have like film success. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the problem is anyone more famous than him, it's not like how much is Adam Driver's career really going to be helped if he's right? There's nothing. Yeah, there's nothing much that you can gain at this point yeah. from from doing that, especially with um. Yeah seemingly the way that seems like all of Hollywood is uh, launching a full <laughs> onward assault yeah. on the Marvel franchise, but you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah. We'll see what happens there. Uh, all right. So Montel asked an, a two part question here, which character has taken the biggest ass whooping over the course of the MCU, each physical and mental and conversely, which characters handed out the most or biggest physically and mentally ass whooping. So one given and one, one, uh, taken uh well two characters i should say physical i mean and mental. i feel like the obvious answer for most given is the hulk because the man i mean he's the hulk um and then in terms of like mo gotten i feel like tony stark just in terms of time the amount of times they cut to a shot of him inside his helmet where he's got a bloody nose like i feel like at once a movie that happens he's always getting the shit kicked out of him and so, like, maybe it's just that Robert Downey Jr. is not as, like, beefy as Chris Evans, so he wears it worse. But those are my answers. They're kind of obvious. But mm -hmm. So, like, in terms of in terms of giving, giving physically and mentally giving, I think there's a chance you can make the argument Thanos. Um, you can make Thanos or Hulk would be my two choices. I'll lean... I'll lean slightly Thanos just because when Thanos went up against the Hulk, he made the Hulk quit. Like it's just like he 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 made he packed them up. So I'll say Thanos there. Who giving mentally? That's interesting. Um, you can make the argument Wanda, but then you could also make the argument that she's taken the most mentally. I mean, I can, I would say that both those are true in terms of mental. Yeah. She's a basket case. Yeah, giving taking. Yeah, I, I feel like yeah, Wanda. I would go with her. And as far as physical beatings, I know you mentioned Tony, and Tony's like a good. Tony's a good one. I gotta say, Cap has taken some beatings in some of these films. Like yeah. a Winter Soldier, uh, Bucky got him pretty good. Uh, Civil War, he's got mm -hmm. pretty good there. And um, Infinity War, Thanos took him out, yeah. and then he was kind of struggling with a with a couple of dudes mm -hmm. too. So I, you know, eh, I, I'll, I'll I I would lean more towards what you're thinking. Yeah. But I'll go with Cap just to be different. I was also just thinking too. Loki's also definitely gotten some beatings. Oh, I mean, yeah. he got smashed, oh. he got choked out. Um, oh my god! He was falling for thirty minutes. You know, he's he's. Oh, and to be fair, like just because of the way that Taskmaster beat the shit out of Natasha at the beginning of that beginning of Black Widow, like mm -hmm. I'll give her an honorable mention because yeah. my goodness gracious, she 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 took the beats there. Mm -hmm. Um. All right, so. We have a question from Dr. Darius Jones mm -hmm. at Darius Jones 06. I think the Marvels set the tone for what's coming with Young Avengers and X-Men. Who else do we think will be a part of the Young Avengers? Also, he says, I think Loki will come back in Avengers Secret Wars. On that last point, I think you are correct, yes, sir. I think and then that's as, correct. And then I think as far as the uh, who else will be a part of the Young Avengers, I mean, we can list them. We can list who we got right now. We got uh, Ms. Marvel. We got... Mm -hmm. We got Kate Bishop's Hawkeye. I'm mm -hmm. guessing we're going to get to Cassie Cassie mm -hmm. Lang. Mm -hmm. And uh, who else you got on the team? I mean, Wanda's two sons. I yes. suppose if they're real in some way. That I'm not that enthusiastic about just because we haven't seen them as like full-fledged characters. 
Um, but I know that they're part of the Young Avengers, technically. Um, right. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that we will see in the Agatha series, I think we will learn a little bit more about the older versions of them. Okay. So. Yeah. And then is Riri Williams, she's got, she's around, right? Yeah, Riri Williams, um, Ironheart, I think there's, I think there's a chance she joins that crew. It's, it's always possible. They have a, they have a bunch of those, um, trying to think, uh, trying to think who else, um, Isaiah Bradley's grandson. Um, it's possible that they could bring him up, bring him back at some point. We'll see if he's in, in, uh, brand new world uh a brave new world i should say but mm -hmm. but yes uh, i'm i'm curious to see who beyond that i think that i think that's kind of fits the the list unless you want to yeah. uh add um a, a a future version of kang in iron lad um yeah. that's that's another potential one if they decided to go that route so mm -hmm. if they wanted to if they wanted to later tie in all of those stories mm -hmm with uh what's happening there so those are those are the the few that i would go with as far yeah. as who that that team list is concerned and man i i'll say it again real quick the loki the loki reunion with thor is what i'm waiting for mm -hmm. it's gonna it's just gonna be awesome i, I can't i can't mm -hmm. wait for it i'm very excited for it and uh so back to montel as he yep. asks and as he asks another, he has another one of these questions mm -hmm. What's the secret wars plot that that has Rhodey meeting his variant? And he puts a video with Freddie Gibbs and Don Cheadle. For some reason, Montel thinks that these two uh, look alike. Um, it really is. It really is the perfect. Uh, it be your own people in this mm. in this situation. And the my only response to this question is, I mean. I don't know if you looked at Terrence Howard's Instagram last week, but um, he put a little photo of uh, a drawn photo, an, uh, an artiste's photo of him dressed up as War Machine, and it seemed like uh, he, he it seemed like he might be interested in, in taking a taking a stab at coming back. I I'm in favor of basically any cameo in Secret Wars, but if I'm like the set, like if I'm a producer on that movie, I'm not letting him with it. 10,000 feet of the set. <laughs> like, I, he's just not... Sorry. <laughs> I know we went... I know we went on one of the most ridiculous bits in show history a couple of weeks ago on, on that, on that mm -hmm. idea. Mm -hmm. But, oh boy. Uh, can so, you just imagine, like, you know, uh, we talked about before, Marvel, like, famously has, at least it seems like, on paper, like, those some of, like, the least contentious sets for big blockbusters... And the Terrence Howard comes on, you know, demo. The first thing he's gonna do is go to the first producer he sees and try to relitigate his salary for Iron Man two. Like, <laughs> I can't wait. Like, the thing about Terrence Howard is, there's some people that like. So I feel like celebrities, whenever they they start talking in a certain way, people are like, man, they're being so real. And maybe I'm just cynical, but I'm like, no, 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 they're unstable. Like he's he, he's not a he's not a well guy, you know. <laughs> I, don't, I can't diagnose him, but you see him like going on like a long speech about how one times one doesn't equal one, and but he's saying like super serious. It's like okay. The fact that this is like his hobby horse for life means that he's yeah. told a million times he's wrong, which leads me to believe he's delusional. <laughs> oh my god i i don't see it but it would be it would be something else mm -hmm. i mean you could if if there was any time to do yes, the most course. ridiculous thing that is the one time that you could do it so if it ever did happen well we would uh, yeah. all freak out in the theater yes i'll be in favor of it and i, I it'll be very funny if it happens and you can tell that it was shot in such a way that he doesn't share the frame with anyone else because they shot him by himself <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Uh, Logan Stanley uh, at L Scribe of mm-hmm. good, good guy, fan of the show. Yeah. Appreciate you, buddy. Mm-hmm. Big picture question: Given the recent report in Variety and now the reshuffling from Marvel, only Deadpool three in twenty twenty four, Avengers five new director. How how do you feel about the future of the MCU moving forward? Go ahead, Jake. Bad. <laughs> I feel pretty bad about it. I feel the, the. I mean, like, I don't think it's dead insofar as, like, there will still be money to be made off these things, especially as, like, if I thought that there was a alternative type of movie that was going to start making hundreds of millions of dollars, I feel differently. But, like, I think that these movies not doing so well is more of a symptom of all movies not doing well than anything mm-hmm. else. And because people obviously got tired of it in certain ways. Um, in terms of, like, the quality of it, I'm not that worried because I generally like most of the stuff they put out. Um, you know, so like th- those are two separate questions in terms of like the success and how much I'm going to keep doing stuff. I assume there's going to be less content coming out, which is bad for me because I can, you know, and ba- I, the main thing is I want, don't want there to be less content because I want to keep doing the show as often as possible, to be honest. But one, we'll find stuff to do. And two, I think that they do need to shut it off, like the faucet off a little bit, regroup. And like, I think that. This is Hollywood, like, has a very short memory, and so, like, two successes and this whole narrative will change. So, like, I simultaneously think that, like, the rumors of Marvel's demise are greatly exaggerated just because what it would require for this apparatus to stop is, like, a lot more than just a couple failures. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, one thing, it would require Disney to find another franchise to make money with. <laughs> um, but also, I think that they're in serious trouble of. Like, the thing you don't want to have happen is for them to have a million failures in a row and then them go, like, make a drastic decision, like, fire Kevin Feige and do something, like, really dumb. You know what I mean? And so yeah. I, I'm more worried about it than I have been previously. But also, they don't need me to worry about them. They're a multi-billion dollar corporation. Right. I, I mean, in terms of worry, I think more so than anything, as far as direction is concerned, yeah, you have to at least begin to question it to a degree however i will say that a lot of the a lot of the reports that have come out specifically the variety one over the last couple of weeks do feel like catching the tail end of everything that they've seemed to have adjusted to um or at least have been adjusting in the past six months um we could talk about the tv division stuff that seems like this is some stuff that i don't feel like this stuff just happened. I feel like this was months of reporting that has come out. So you also have to consider that when it comes to as when it comes to the timeline, as far as that's concerned. So when I try and think about it and put it in perspective, I think that they realized what the situation was. And I mean, you could not like Bob Iger, but he was right in terms of how, the content had become diluted and it seems like they're now trying to correct the situation. It says a lot that they shot the cap movie and just thought that it wasn't okay. It wasn't up to snuff. We're going to just go back and do it again, which by the way, if, if they need to do that, that kind of shows like more so than anything. Sure. You could be alarmed, but also like, Hey, they recognize they're starting to recognize that some of these things have problems. So That's the first that's the first step of beginning to what's the first step to digging out of a hole? Mm-hmm. Stop digging. Exactly. And it seems like and it seems like it seems like they're 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 stopping that digging. 
Yeah, and the thing I've always said about reshoots, and I think you and I are similar with this, like, mm-hmm. I, would say, I would much rather have a movie that has a bunch of reshoots than have a movie that doesn't work that they didn't bother to reshoot, you know? Like, if they don't think it works, I'd rather them take a year and get it to work as much as they can. And I really do think, and this has been my hobby horse forever, but I think just based on reading things Bob Iger said, I think that there is going to be a push to make these things cheaper. Because it's just like, I know Rod, Rod, friend of the show, pointed out, and I he he was pointing out that like the, the knives are out from Marvel, which is true, but that there were headlines back to back back to back weeks where the Marvels made like two million dollars more than the new Hunger Games movie, and the headline about the Marvels was that, that was a disaster, and the headline about Hunger Games was was a little bit of a disappointment, but still good. And I understand that that is a lot of anti Marvel bias, but it is also that the Marvels cost like two hundred fifty million dollars, and the new Hunger Games movie cost a hundred million dollars, and so I think that there's just, I think that there is based on things Bob Iger said, there is an acknowledgement that. At a certain level, if you need to have the best year in studio history, like they did in 2019, in order to make a profit, that probably is not a profitable way to go. And so I hope that they do that, because also, in my opinion, I think the idea of doing Marvel movies with smaller budgets means that there are more interesting ideas in them, in my opinion. Like, I, I think that it's actually, I'm because so I, I know what it's like when Marvel can spend all the money on the craziest CGI effects of yeah. people floating in the sky. I know what that looks like. Let's see what happens if, you know... Maybe they need to tell some stories that are a little less cosmic, you know? Right. We'll see what... And I know they, they started this uh, this new brand name, the Marvel Spotlight, where they're, where they're doing more street-oriented stories. They put Echo under this brand. We'll see what Echo is like not too far away from that. And we'll see what some of the stuff that they do decide to do. Um, I think Daredevil is going to be... I mean, it's going to be interesting now that they decided to redo almost nearly that entire production. So that's another example. Maybe they need to do some changes. The stuff you heard about Blade and and that whole mess and trying to scale that budget down. That's another thing that you have to consider as these things go through changes. And and it seems like, at least to me, it seems like not necessarily headed in the right direction because right now we don't really know what that's going to be. I think 2024 is going to be an interesting year because they give us smaller stuff and then just the one movie, which is a big movie, but it's just the one movie. So that, that that's interesting in itself. So 2024 will be an interesting year, but I mean, overall to kind of bring it back to, to answering the question and my concern. Yes. Do I think it's over? No, because I think there's just a lot of, there's just so much context to these things. And what I am interested in now is it does give an opportunity if if David Zaslav doesn't try and sell everything off. It does give an opportunity for DCU to kind of make a big name for themselves with the Superman movie. If James yeah. Gunn is on the ball and he's and he's writing this thing, he's directing mm-hmm. this thing, he's handling this thing, I'm interested to see what they got cooking with that. Because if they yeah. if 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 they could cook something up then goodness gracious, we might actually have some competition, which I would actually personally like to yes. see because competition will will make the other studio raise their game. Yes, and also because I'm also going to see all the DC stuff. Like, you know, uh, the reason that this is Marvel Cinematic University is because the Marvel Cinematic Universe was the one worth covering in a podcast. I, I know that you you know, grew up reading comics. I have no allegiance towards either of these companies, you know? I like the Marvel movies because they're better generally now, but, like, I just, I want as many good movies in these, these genres as possible, and so 
Yeah, I don't know if you just saw. Did you, did you see today the uh, announcement that just happened with uh, just came across the wire with DC Studios? I don't know if it's. I saw it on the Discord. I don't know if it's. Uh, it, I assume Wait. it's accurate. Of that, they just cast. Um, yeah, that uh, Nicholas Holt just got cast as Lex Luthor. Oh shit! Yes, yes, yes! I did not see that. That's great. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh no, I'm. Uh, I was excited about this movie anyway, but okay, I'm. I'm even more intrigued now. Oh mm-hmm. my goodness! Oh boy! All right, mm-hmm. I could I could really think about what they're what they're doing with this movie. It's going to be mm-hmm. very very fascinating. And I'm oh, happy for him. He finally uh, he's tested for like every role in Hollywood, and he finally got. I think he tried. He tried. He uh, tested for Clark in this too. He so also like, tested back- for the Batman. I know as well. He was. Yeah. He was. He actually he tested for the Batman. He was number two, and he was supposed to be a major role in Mission Impossible. But something went long or something. I forget what it was, and he couldn't do it. So he he needs a win. <laughs> Good for him, man. Oh no, that's awesome. All right, so I'm all right. I'm now even more in, and I was already in. So yeah, yeah and, and I mean to your point, as far as DC, like for me, listen, with this DCEU, I feel like we've covered this before, but I personally like and have enjoyed DC comics. Like I, mm-hmm. Batman is one of my favorite characters. Um, uh you bring in Superman, the justice league, that whole thing. And you just want to see them tell good stories. Mm -hmm. And that's all you want out of those things. At the end of the day, it's not a who's better than who or whatever. If you tell good stories then I'm, I, you will have my money. So yeah, that's really where, that's really where it comes down to a quick, a quick question from Darren. And it's a fair one at DJ on 90. Where does secret invasion fit in with the Marvels? Doesn't really fit in anywhere Mm -hmm. besides a couple of scrolls. And I think that that is completely fine. I I think a lot the thing the a tweet I see a lot is people posting the photo of like the whatever his name was in the Eternals thing coming out of the Earth. I forget what his name was. I haven't seen the movie in a bit. But people are like this happened and like five oh, movies TMI. ago. <laughs> yeah, and they still yeah. and they still don't reference it, right? And the thing, my opinion on that is, if you do something that is widely considered not good, like Eternals, I know that there are Eternals with defenders, and I'm not going to take that away from you, but. If you do something that's not good, I would rather them move on and pretend it didn't happen than, like, try to... Like, if you can come up with a good idea, fine. But with Secret Invasion, it didn't work. No one liked it. Nothing in that happened was really that important. I'm so glad that there was barely even passing mention. Because people shouldn't have to watch Secret Invasion to understand this shit. Because it's bad. I don't want people to have to watch bad stuff. Because then that does become homework. If, um, as far as the Eternals portion of this is concerned... Just go back to the pod that I did with Hunter on the ghost uh, ghost right. plot lines, and you'll get a decent explanation of what we will see with, with the Tiamat situation. So you got that. And um, listen, I, I don't think it's I don't. I, I think it's not that big of a deal. It is, it is funny that Nick Fury is, looks like he's infinitely having more fun mm-hmm. in this movie than he was in Secret Invasion. So like I think that's just cool to me. And he, at the he end got of the, the Bengay, he got the he got the Bengay on. He got the he got the Bengay. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so good. Oh man, that that story that that she she gave when she I can't remember what show she was on. It was on Seth Meyers. Uh, Seth Meyers, but um, man, that was so that was so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. so so cool. All right, so we also have uh, Cole Gerard forty four. David Oy, wait, how you pronounce? Oh, Yellowo. Oh, Yellowo as Kang. What do you think? I mean, um, 
fine. I think he's a fine actor. Um, he's really good in Selma. Um, I'm not going to say Martin Luther King. That's disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> but how could you not? How could you not? No, I, you said it for me. I don't know if your mind went there, but that's where my mind went. I don't think I, 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 I didn't, and I'm glad you did. Well, um, yeah, but he, that's his one. He's been in a bunch of stuff, but I think that that's the one that, like, I don't know. I'd be, I'd see it. He's not number one on my list, but he's definitely someone I'd be excited if he did it. Right. Yeah. 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 I, I wouldn't mind. Yeah. He's not on my list either. I feel comfortable with who I have and, uh, you know, we'll see, we'll see what the, what Marvel decides to he, do with He that just always comes off as more, he's, yeah. and I mean this in a good way. He's just a very sensitive actor to me. He's not someone I think of as imposing. Um, right. Like there's not the, um, yeah, there's like a, there's an, I guess there's an empathetic nature to his yeah. personality that you can almost kind of feel every time that he's on. Yeah, and one thing, I think that that makes him a good actor in a lot of what he does. Yeah, of course. Um, But yeah, I, he's not, but I mean, I'm sure he has it in him, you know, he's classically trained, et cetera, et cetera, you know. Um, so once again, not someone I'd be mad at if they announced it. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, Dr. Darius Jones has another question. Mm-hmm. Just had a thought. But why wasn't the Shang-Chi post credit scene connected to the Marvels? And I will say, um, I don't know if it really needed to, to be honest, at that time. I mean, you had Captain Marvel in the post credit, but I, I think, I mean, part of that was a was a favor because she's pals with the director. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that whatever that plot line, as far as the Ten Rings mm-hmm. are concerned, is it may have something to do with the future. It may yeah. have something to do with just the Shang-Chi universe. We don't know for sure. Yeah. So, so that is something that I guess when, whenever Shang-Chi two comes out and, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll see what happens. That movie is happening. Yeah. So we'll, we'll get to that at some point. And I think the thing too, is that like it, what it wasn't necessary for the plot to go out. And like, I think that that would be, I think the only way you to if you try to include it, it would feel like one of the times in Marvel movies when they're at their worst, where it feels like it stops flat to tell half a story, right? Because like whatever the story is with his rings and the beacon, whatever they sent out, that would not be resolved in the Marvels. And so in that case, I don't want like half of an up. I don't want like a five minute update on that. You know what I mean? Like if it's not going to actually be fully involved, yeah. don't give me don't give me a scene where it's five minutes where the movie stops to a halt to talk to Shang Chi for three seconds, and then you know what I mean. Because Marvel movies can do that. In fact, I would say that, like, when I always try to think about, like, what the film Twitter guy who hates Marvel movies for a lot of understandable reasons caricatures a Marvel <laughs> movie as. And that is their caricature of it. That's, like, in the Marvels, they spend five minutes updating you on the Ten Rings. And, yeah, like, you don't need that. We, don't, we don't need it, especially because, like, guess what? When Shang-Chi 2 happens and they bring it back up again, you'll remember it. And you'll remember the post credit scene. And you're not going to be – no one's going to complain that they didn't mention it, you know. I, I think that like I think people really oversell how man how much over- interconnectedness there was in all these individual movies before like Infinity War specifically in the individual character movies like there's not much like Captain America Winter Soldier doesn't have any moments where they stop to f- update a plot from Iron Man three you know and so I don't I don't need it unless it's actually gonna pay off yes and I wholeheartedly agree with you on that fact um, we also have a question from uh, Theo at underscore line 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 the adore uh what's it called when you're sexually attracted to an artificial intelligent transparent clock my answer is uh less less humble tej on twitter that's what what you got (laughs) i quote tweeted this already and i said something to bring up in therapy um 
Yeah, man. I mean, he's, he, whatever floats your boat, I'm not going to criticize, you know. Um, but, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. I, if you're attracted to a clock, just be, I just hope she has a pretty face. But it's, it's a little clock humor for you. Uh, pretty <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> what, <the hell? laughs> what are we doing? I can't oh, believe a God. doctor asked us questions. Why does someone with a doctorate listen to the show? <laughs> oh, man. Well, this is, I mean, listen, I, I I love that we, I appreciate our guests for helping us pull in new listeners from all around. A hundred percent, yes, very much Anybody so. who's coming through, thank yes. you for, thank you for joining yes. us as always. I, I don't mean to besmirch uh, Dr. Jo- Dr. Jones, but I mean, wow, it makes it just... I mean, you sounded like what Rod was talking about. Why was, why why did Anthony Mays do shows yeah, with us? exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's great. That's great. I appreciate everybody, and we appreciate everybody yes. for for asking your questions. And uh, we will do this again soon. But there is a lightning round. I have some questions for Jake. Alrighty, uh, Jake. Firstly, so you know all this big picture Marvel stuff. Mm-hmm. What's happening? What are they gonna do? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But what if Marvel Studios gave you the keys to running the the whole entire universe? What would be your next year to two, if you'd like, mm-hmm. uh, of programming, and what's the one passion project that you're trying to push through? Okay, so the first thing I would do is nothing with programming, and this is going to make a lot of people upset, but I mean it. I would say that uh, the window for going to theaters to Disney Plus would be six months. I know that, that pisses people off, but I think that it just... Why do these movies fall off a cliff? Because if you don't see them in the first weekend, you might as well see them in a month, right? So that would be for the first thing I did. The second thing I did is I would fast track a Young Avengers project just because Yvonne Blonde has so much heat. Um, and I think that you, if you get these young actors in front of the camera fastest, um, I think that's the best for everyone. And my passion project, and I'd also probably do another season of She-Hulk. That actually is my passion project just because how much that's going to cost. Like, I mean, woof. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I think that, and then probably, I don't know, since I don't have a wide comic base, I would probably do, you know, I probably I don't know what the script is for Thunderbolts, but I would retool it to make it more of a Yelena focused movie. Not just because I love Florence Pugh, but because I think that they're kind of overestimating how much people give a shit about the other characters in that movie. No disrespect to any of them, but mm-hmm. um, and yeah, I would do that, and I would probably um, by the end of next year, I would make it clear what the situation is with the world that Monica Rambeau's in. Like, I would kind of make the pieces clear of what worlds we're dealing mm. with. Would I be agree. something I would do because I think the longer you, longer you keep it up in the air, people eventually start rolling their eyes. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I, th- I I like that. Um, the Thunderbolts point that you mentioned, uh, we got confirmation uh, thanks to to Robert Kirkman the other day when he was talking about Invincible, saying that Stephen Yoon was trying on his costume for Sentry, the mm-hmm. one of the biggest, baddest, powerful characters in the Marvel universe, and he and he's coming to Thunderbolts. So that's an interest. That is a that is a outside. I will tell you for that character, that is a very outside the box choice in in terms of Stephen Yu. So I'm excited to see what he's got for this role. So that that should be that should be very fascinating. And all right, so this other question that I have for you, Jake, mm-hmm. as far as the box office is concerned, mm-hmm. with the Marvels and the Hunger Games, a movie yeah. that you saw, mm-hmm. um. I mean, you stated it a while back. You said that the that this uh, box office situation would be a mm-hmm. tough one for the Marvels, and it has been. 
Yeah. Uh, what do you think of what, as you see this playing out now, how do you feel? So my specific prediction was that I thought the Hunger Games, the Ballad of Sonic Rudy, the Stakes was going to outgross the Marvels. Now, after the weekend the Marvels had, I'm like, well, fuck, I'm I'm clear. I'm definitely going to. And then the Battle of Sombra Snakes underperformed a little bit. So it, it was by like $2, billion, $2 million. So it depends on the legs that the Battle of Sombra Snakes have. It's still up in the air. Um, I think what that shows me is that, like, like I said, the box office is just down across the board, which is, as someone who loves movies, uh, bad, and I hate it um please support movies in the theaters if you're able to and by if you're able to i mean if there's not like a literal reason you can't go um and especially if it's a movie you like and i think especially like the hunger games like you know the hunger the scenes in the arena were shot in imax it has like incredible production design like they you know built all the shit in like middle of nowhere poland um and so things like that i really like seeing in the theaters so the way i feel about it is that I think I'm probably still going to end up being right by a little bit, but not by the widest margin I thought. Because the first part of my prediction was correct, that the Marvels was going to underwhelm. But I thought that two generations of Hunger Games fans would really boost the numbers of this. But it it, it seems like the Zoomers don't go to the movies for anything. Um, Mm -hmm. They just watch things on TikTok. Uh, I know I'm sounding like an old man. I hope you appreciate that. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I just, I I don't, I'm really kind of off on you, Jake. When I saw the box office numbers, I kind of had a crisis of like, shit, if this book that clearly is popular with people from ages like 15 to 25 can't get into the theaters, then maybe theatrical movie making is just done. Like, if I, I just don't know, how do you get, how are, te- what movies are teens going to see if they're not going to see that one? I just don't know. It's interesting because I think a lot of the conversation online, especially about going to the movies these days, is like, hey, it's very expensive if you're trying to take, especially if you're trying to go with your family to the movies. And that is totally understandable. Totally get that. That's, uh, you know, that's an important part of how just all of this and movies, movie theaters are trying to make their money back, especially after what happened in the pandemic, because, you know, a lot of oh boy, when you talk about like business getting destroyed. Yeah that that's really where it is and obviously the strike yeah the strike uh for right reasons Mm -hmm. um also changed things as well so i I just will say about the prices just because i as because i think that that's part of it but i think the problem is the prices compared to like 2019 have Mm -hmm. not gone up enough to explain that it's like 63 percent down like i can't everyone like say oh it's so expensive like yes i agree but it also it was expensive to go to movies in 2018 no i think streaming something changed so, okay, so I think this goes back to something that you said all the way back yeah. in 2019 slash 2020 when we talked about streaming, what is happening with streaming being the thing, and you had mentioned that streaming is something that could potentially destroy the business, and we are seeing the, we are seeing yeah. a, a, a slow, a slow uh, yeah. death of what movie theaters are and it's not and the reason i say destroy the business because a lot of people are like well isn't it if stuff is still gonna be on streaming but i think what you what you and i've talked about is that and all these streamers raising their prices raising the prices raising the prices it's almost as if they can't make as much money streaming at because think about it if you pay 19.99 which is a lot for a streamer you pay 19.99 for the streamer right you're paying that for everything they have so if they release a new movie that costs like $200 million, they need that many new subscribers in order to get the same amount of money as they yeah. would. But if you go see a new movie in theaters, you have to pay $20 anyway. So like yeah. the money, the thing is there is just, if you like big blockbuster filmmaking, big blockbuster filmmaking financially simply cannot be supported by streamers. There is not enough money possible to be made. So that's why I think people 
I understand convenience is great or whatever, but it's like fine. But unfortunately, then every movie you get is gonna look like a Netflix rom com because there's not gonna be enough like, and you like people like some of the Netflix rom coms, but they don't look good. They don't have good production value. They don't like. And so this is why I'm so passionate about this because it's like I don't want this shit to go away. And I know it's a little annoying to go to theaters, but like, there's just not the money in streaming. There just isn't. Listen, I spent a good portion of my twenties and early portion of my thirties in a movie theater. And that experience you can't replace. No. Um, as far as this podcast is concerned, I remember what Infinity War was. I remember mm-hmm. what Endgame was. You can't replace that by watching something at home. It no. just doesn't. I mean, if you went to No Way Home in the theater, mm-hmm. you're not getting that energy. You're not getting mm-hmm. any of that. So I think that it's i think that while it is tough and i certainly understand people's yeah. position it's not it's, it's not easy especially mm-hmm. in like you know when my kids get older you know taking yeah. them taking them to the movies is mm-hmm. gonna be you know it's gonna yeah. be a real thing but however but the people the, who are not going to the movies anymore are not people your age just ex- exactly like the it the you can't grab and maybe you can you can make the argument mm-hmm. and i feel like this is an argument that i will make is that i do feel like while there are original stories, mm-hmm. um, I do feel like because of the because of the propensity to just remake, 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 mm-hmm. remake. I saw uh, a, a potentially a remake of uh, the Assassins movie with uh, Sylvester Stallone and uh, Antonio Banderas. It's like, why are we remaking that? I saw the Bourne thing. You don't need to go back to Bourne. How many movies no. of Bourne? You, let's make new shit. Give people yeah. new opportunities. And this is and that's how and that really is how you get people back. But I don't think yeah. anybody under no executive seems to understand that. And nobody really understands that who runs these studios is that you need original ideas. Because the thing is, if the newborn movie fails, you can justify it and you won't get fired. But if you right. spend money on an original idea and it doesn't work, you might get fired. Which is of course that's just the way Hollywood used to be. You just be like, Yeah, you stick your neck out. And yeah, I think that like what the Barbenheimer phenomenon, which can't really be replicated, I think shows is that you need things that are like culturally relevant that feel like mm-hmm. you're speaking to a moment. And I think that that's something the MCU should definitely try to recapture is to try to like, that's why I think that that's why I said, like just do a young Avengers thing where it's like, I would worry significantly more about making the next movie successful than making the next 10 movies successful. Like if, if the, the larger problem the MCU has had is that they've been more concerned with making the t- 10 movies from now successful than yeah, the one making right the tentacles all make sense as opposed to concentrating yeah. on. And so I think that there's that it, like, for, I mean, the, the fact of the matter is like when, when WandaVision blew up and everyone wanted an Agatha spinoff, why the fuck is it taking three years to make that happen? Like I, that, that, that is just, in my opinion, bad business. You and should so, be, you, right. You should be capitalizing on that moment. And so I think things like that are what, and I think that goes with movies where you have, it feels like so many things are just not responding to the moment and are not getting people interested and are not, you know, yeah, it, it feels like more now more than ever, studio executives have such a low opinion of their audience. And I think people are kind, people can be dumb, but I think people really, really have a sick sense of when they're being pandered to. Like, people really can tell when they're being pandered to. And even with, like, the Marvel's advertising, the last week of advertising where they tried to, like, fold everything into Infinity or whatever, it's like, everyone knows that that's just pandering. Like, right. stop it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, sometimes, yeah, sometimes it's better to just be honest. Yeah. <laughs> it really it really is. Being honest and genuine in all phases of life do do matter in that instance. But, 
Yeah, that's um. Yeah, I mean, the, when you see that the Hunger Games underperforms, like I, I, I don't know, like it doesn't feel it doesn't feel good. Like a lot of these movies are just not doing well, mm-hmm. um, at least the way that you want them to do. And then, you know, we'll see what twenty twenty four brings. But, um, you know, if you can try and support the, you yeah. know, try and support movie theaters if you can. Yeah, and like and I like I said, I joke about it, but if you live near movie theater, consider getting one of those unlimited things. It truly is like. With especially with like Regal, with the amount you get off on concessions, it basically pays for because it's like twenty two dollars a month, I think. Yeah. And it's if a movie is like twenty dollars and you get ten percent off concessions, basically if you go to the movies once a month, you're basically breaking even. So like something like that, I think the thing about that too is, and this is something that other people in my life have experience with it. People who are who are like me, single or you know don't have kids. Obviously, there's a lot of extenuating circumstances where mm-hmm. it's like you start to see movies you wouldn't normally see. And I think that that also can be really good because I I know I joke about it, but like a lot of fans of this stuff don't see a lot of other types of movies. Not that you yeah. need to, but I think if you like entertainment, I think branching outside of your comfort zone is really good. And if you have like an unlimited thing, you can be like, hey, this movie seems a little bit interesting. I wouldn't want to spend $20 on it, but I can go see it for 50 cents. So I, I think that that is something I would encourage people who live near movie theater to consider getting because I really find that like you can discover some stuff. And I think that there are there are sophisticated mm-hmm. movies out there that you might not think you would like that when you see you'll be like, holy shit, I'm really vibing with this. Yes, I totally agree with that. And um, yeah, I'm interested to see where this where this uh, leads going forward because there's a lot. Not is you know, it's not just the blockbusters, just the you know, the independent films. Every everything that you want to see comedies. Like, where has the comedy gone? Huh. There are that's the thing. I, there can, are uh, comedies, but where the people are not watching. Can them. I say something? You know how much it pisses me off to see that No Hard Feelings is number one on Netflix because you mother. No, I'm not talking to you. You have a kid, but like, you motherfuckers waited for it to be on Netflix. You could have seen it, and then when, then when there's no more romantic comedies, no more comedies coming out for the next five years, you're like, why well, wanted no one of the no comedies? Oh, it's because you'd rather wait till that. Ne- Don't even get me started. I saw that movie in theaters. I saw the sneak preview. I, I, I gave that a cinema score, guys. What are you doing? I'm so pissed. Shout the movie's good. Movie. It is good. She yeah, suplexed someone. <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence, what a treasure! Mm-hmm. What a treasure! All right, and the and the final thing I will ask you, Jay Christie, and uh, arguably the most important thing on this uh, Thanksgiving season, what are you most thankful for? Um, I'm thankful for the community we built around the show. Uh, it's been really positive, not just because of like the show itself, but just I think a lot of positive people in my life have come into it. Most specifically, you. You are. Uh, you know, I tell you this, one of the most positive people I've ever met in a very, and you just make things better whenever we speak to you and oh, talking man. to you is a genuine joy. And, oh, um, and yeah, I think that like, okay. uh, mm-hmm. the, the people that I've gotten to know and the people who enjoy the show, I'm very thankful for it. Um, and yeah, I wouldn't trade, I wouldn't trade, uh, an audience twice the size that was more negative. I wouldn't want, you know? Um, I will just say there are not many things in my life that I enjoy as much as having these conversations with you every week. These are these are a joy. And the people that we have brought in have been a joy too. I think that, you know, adding, you know, friends of the show and certain guests um and and the fact that we feel like when they come around here they have a good time, which I think is very important. Um, it's a very positive time. And 
I think that's just because of the built-in. I mean, think about it now. We're we're about to be running on uh, six years of this. Um, January, I think, of 2018 yeah. is when this yep. started. Yeah. So I think, um, I mean, you know, I'll echo your sentiments. Thankful for you. Thankful for everybody in our community. Uh, just a wonderful group of people to talk mm-hmm. to. One mm-hmm. a wonderful group of people to interact with. And you know, we'll keep this going as long as we can. Yeah. And but I think the the main thing is I'm thankful that we get to do this because mm-hmm. we love doing it. Yeah. I think that's where it starts and that's where it ends. Yeah, I'm and, thankful that this is still really fun. Honestly. Yeah. Like the to the last two episodes of the Loki recaps were two of the most fun episodes we ever had, and it's almost six years in. Like yeah, it's still just as fun yeah. as ever. Yeah. And I think that I think it's fun to look back and think of like the ways that the show has evolved. Mm-hmm. It, it it has changed. We've brought certain people into the show that have helped foster it, helped change some of the things that maybe that some certain blind spots that we we did we had earlier. I think um, you know, having a a healthy set of women to bring on the show in a lot of instances has helped us out a lot. That I'm thankful for just as much as anything else, because there's a lot of perspective that that women add to the show and have added to the show that I really do feel has made us better as uh, mm-hmm. not only podcasters, but as people. So like, yeah. I think those things, you know, go without saying. And yeah, I think I can tell the people who listen to this show that when I try and find the time to be able to do this, like, trust me, I would love to do this more. I would, I really would. Um, it would be so cool if that was the thing one day. And that's, that's eventually what you work towards. But in the meantime, while I get to do this, I do treat this as a, as a pleasure. And I mm-hmm. treat this as a, something that I don't take for granted. Absolutely. And that's why, that's why you, we're as passionate as we are about not only the subject, but the enjoyment that we get talking yes. about it. So yes. I am thankful for everybody, um, including you, Jake. This was, a, and again, another fun episode. This was a lot of fun to do. And uh, Jake, where can we follow you, my friend? You can follow me on Twitter at the Jake Christie. Listen to my other podcast, Love It First Psych, where me and Andre Breyer are talking about the USA Network original series Psych. For anyone wondering who are fans of this previous show, No Funk and Strictly Munkin, yes, we will be back for one episode when the Monk movie re- comes out in December. Oh, there's a Monk movie. Oh, that's right. I heard about that. Yeah, straight to Peacock. Oh. <laughs> straight to the, no, no, let me not say that. Yeah, yeah, you, you, straight, straight, yeah, straight to the cock. <laughs> I can't help it. You (laughs) don't want to say it, I'll say it. (laughs) Thank you, Jake. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at AnthonyCanton underscore three. Follow the show on all platforms at MC University Pod. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Continue to bring those up. Like to creep up as we normally do. Five star the show, as always. As with the Patreon, mentioned that earlier. Tap in if you can. Um, Appreciate everybody who has already tapped in on that. And so for Jake Christie, I am Anthony Canton III. This has been Marvel Cinematic University, and we will talk to you next time. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody.